Well, good morning, church. Thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Ryan. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And I made a mistake this morning. I drank too much coffee. So, I'm feeling a little bit jittery. We're going to try and settle ourselves in and see how how we go from here. Um, Hey, uh, if you're new or newer to our church, we just finished up a series that we started in Easter. And just like give you a peek behind the curtain, we've got Dr. Moo coming next week. And then we had a four-week series talking about our new membership process. Uh, Again, if you're new or newer, we were two churches less than a year ago. Um, And by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit and the humility and kindness of so many of you, we became one church. Um, And that has lots of logistical difficulties that, again, by God's grace, we have overcome about as smoothly as humanly possible to this point. Um, And that last real obstacle is creating a new membership um, around our kind of unified mission, vision, values. And that's kind of what the rest of the summer is going to be about. And I had this one week kind of in between Corey's sermon last week and this Dr. Moo and then membership. And I was trying to think, like, what is it that the Lord might have me to share? And really the emphasis of the membership series in a couple of weeks is what is membership? Um, and I thought that we were really missing a crucial piece in that puzzle. And that is the answer to the question, why do we even have membership to begin with? Plenty of churches don't have membership, um, or if they do, it's a very small, select group of people. And so why do we as a church, why did we choose this model, this model where you, any of you who are followers of Jesus can kind of join our church and have input in um, how it works? And so that's really my goal this morning is to answer that question. Um, And the next really few weeks, this is just a warning, might feel like a little bit of insider baseball. Like if you're just coming here to get encouraged from the Word of God and sing some songs and you're like, this all seems a bit corporate to me, or this all seems a bit like, I don't, I, I, I thought because I attended a church, I was a member of a church. I thought that was it, right? Like some of you might be here thinking that, or maybe you didn't know that churches had membership. Um, or maybe you think membership isn't a biblical concept. Or maybe you think it's an administrative need, but five Sunday mornings seems like a lot of time to talk about membership, right? Um, Well, one of the reasons we're talking about it for five weeks is it's summertime. And if we don't talk about it for five weeks, we'll talk about it for three weeks, and one of you will miss all three Sundays and say, what is this membership thing we've got going on? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I would say this. In a world full of unhealthy churches failing church leaders, and a culture that is completely skeptical about the value that churches play in our society. Membership is our safeguard. It's the way that we ensure we remain focused on the things that we claim to value. It's the mechanism by which we hold one another accountable to God's word and to our own love for one another. So, although on the surface the next few weeks might seem a bit corporate or unnecessary, I hope by the end of it that we cast a compelling vision for you of why this all matters. Why it matters not just to our church, but why it matters to God. So, let's pray, and we'll try and answer that question for the rest of our time. Lord, we are so grateful for the letters that 
you have gathered together in the New Testament that give us wisdom about how to be a church in a culture that is pursuing um, their our, pursuing its own desires. God, we join with the church throughout history, without with the people of God throughout history as a minority group of people living in a culture that is pursuing its own desires. And God, as we seek to do that with integrity, with humility, with unconditional love to those that are our neighbors and our friends that don't see you as valuable, may we join together in love and sacrifice. May we understand the importance of doing life together with committed followers of Jesus, committed to a local church, to the glory of God and the good of our neighbor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, this might come as a shock to some of you. I know for a fact there are at least two people in the room that it won't come as a shock to, and that's because my parents attend this church. Um, but I was a very stubborn, strong-willed child. I always had to be around the adults. Anytime my family had like a social gathering, the kids would play in the kids' room. Video games would be out. Sega Genesis, I'll date myself. Um, and I wanted to be in the room with the adults. I felt like I had input and, and things to contribute to the adult conversation. And I distinctly remember, this is one of my kind of core memories, one of my first memories as a child, I think I was five or six, where I had become fed up with um, my parents' poor decision-making for my life. <laughs> Obviously, I knew better than they did. And so I was going to take matters into my own hands, and I was going to run away. And I distinctly remember packing a bag, declaring my intentions, and marching out the back door off of the back deck, getting about 50 to 60 yards out of my backyard before reality sank in. What, what was I going to do next? <laughs> the, the plan was great. Right? Like, the tension was there. I have a better plan for my life than my parents do. But 50 to 60 yards out the back door, I realized, I don't know what, what's next. And so I was too stubborn to immediately turn around, but too wise to go any further away from my house. So I remember sitting down by a tree and just pondering, how did I get here and what do I do next? And I think that this story illustrates the tension that many of us have with organized structures of religion and accountability in our lives. We live in a culture that glamorizes the idea of packing our bags and going out on our own. But far too often, I don't think we consider the implications of those decisions before we make them. What will we do when we leave? And is leaving really the only option, or is it the best option? See, I think we live in a cultural phenomenon obsessed with independence. I heard a, a, British, um, a British evangelist say that, uh, that it's really hard to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to Americans because they reject the idea of the sovereign. Right? Like, our, our, our cultural foundation is we're not paying those taxes. Leave us alone. We're going to do our own thing our own way. And so we, we live in this culture where we, we glamorize individualism, and it's trickled into the church. I hear the phrase often, I love Jesus, but I'm not really a fan of the church. Or I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not really interested in going to church. And as I seek to make a case for church membership this morning, what I don't plan on saying 
is that the church is perfect, that we're really crushing it, and that you should just be quiet and follow along. That's not what I plan on saying. As a matter of fact, I think there are, are plenty of unhealthy, bad forms of the church that are worth poking holes in and sometimes even walking away. However, I reject the idea that walking away is the only legitimate option or even the best one. And I think the Jesus that we claim to follow would reject that idea as well. See, the church is the bride of Christ. It is the mechanism that he chose to reveal his redemptive plan to the world. He's not caught off guard by our brokenness. He's not caught off guard by our drifting in directions that he never called us to walk in. But no matter how flawed the church gets, he promises that he will continue to use her as his plan until he returns. So, what if instead of walking away from this God-ordained community that we call the church, what if we commit it to dig our heels in and become part of the solution? What if we decided instead of investing energy in complaining about all the ways she's failed us in the past? What if we invested that same amount of energy in helping her get back on track? As a pastor of this church, here's what I know to be true. I think I know to be true. Those of you that are most tempted to walk away from the church because of bad experiences, because your ideology is, because you, you see something different in Scripture than the, the direction of the church. Those of you that are most tempted to say, I've, I've tried it, I've, I've worked hard, I've done all the things, and I just can't do it anymore. Those of you that are most tempted to walk away are those that are most vital to being a part of the solution moving forward. It's, it's different ideas, different perspectives that help us hold each other accountable what the Word of God says and what we see in the life of Jesus Christ. This is why we have membership at Kansas Community Church. And we're hopefully going to unveil how it works a little bit more in the future, but this is why we have it. We've intentionally structured our membership moving forward to give committed followers of Jesus opportunities to give input and accountability to our leadership. I'd summarize it this way. Membership is a practical way that we intentionally create a Christ-centered community committed to doing life together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbor. I hear some of you pushing back. Some of you might say, yeah, Ryan, the church, the gathered group of believers, they are what you said. The church is a Christ-centered community doing life together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. But why do we have to have membership if the church is that. Let me say this. I love when you guys ask questions that my outline answers. So thank you for asking those questions. It's a great question. Why do we have membership? If the church is gathered believers, forming a Christ-centered community, committed to living for the glory of God and the good of our neighbor, why do we have to have membership? Well, I'd say if we were in first century Rome, we wouldn't need church membership. Because the very fact that you showed up to a church service declared that you were a committed follower of Jesus. There was no other cultural value that you would get from showing up to church because it was such a persecuted group of people. It was a minority on the outskirts of society. And so if you showed up to a church, you had 
most likely been baptized in front of that group of people. Everyone knew that you were a member of that church. But we don't live in first century Rome. Uh, we live in a culture that was kind of built on Judeo-Christian values. And so there's church has made itself into the fabric of our society. And there's plenty of reasons why you might find yourself at our service this morning and yet not be a committed follower of Jesus that's committed to our church. And that's wonderful and great. Let me, let me work us through a couple of reasons why you might be here this morning that might mean you're not a committed follower of Jesus committed to our church. First, you're spiritually curious. It's very possible that you're here for the first time or you've been attending for a while because you're just considering the claims of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible. Might the Bible actually be the living word of God? Might Jesus actually be the Son of God who offers salvation to the world? You're considering those things. Maybe you came across a podcast or a good book that caused you to challenge your presuppositions. Or maybe you have a coworker or friend that won't leave you alone, and so you're just here so they'll shut up. Or maybe you're an undercover journalist infiltrating this weird Christian cult so that you can write a hit piece on us. Whatever the reason you find yourself in this room, if you are spiritually curious, let me say I am, and we are glad that you are here. We work hard to be a place where people can come and explore the considerations of the Bible, explore the teachings of Jesus. Whatever curiosity brings you to our church, I want you to know that we're glad you're here. Because let's be honest, like, those of us that grew up here, we sometimes forget because we've been doing it for so long. Christians are weird. Church can be weird sometimes. Like, we all just stand up at one time and start singing, and the people that haven't ever been to a church before are going, how did they know we were supposed to stand up? How did they know we were supposed to sit down? Like, and we just do these weird things, and like people don't understand what's going on. And so we try our best to kind of eliminate as many of those obstacles as possible for those of you that are spiritually curious, so that you can come in and get your real questions answered, and not just get more questions added to the list. The scriptures actually challenge us as believers to always be ready to give an answer to you about the hope that we have in Jesus. And so we're thrilled that you're here, and we want to always be ready to give you that answer. The reality is membership isn't for you, and that's fine, and it's good. And so how do we distinguish between those of you that are spiritually curious and those of you that are committed followers of Jesus, committed to our local church? Membership is that mechanism. There's actually a really cool story um, piece of history, actually, in first century Rome, first, second century Rome, um, that I've been looking for a, a reason to put into my sermon for like years now, and I finally found it, and it's today. Um, so there was a, a Roman official that was in charge of making some judgments uh, over some Christians in like 100-ish AD Rome. Um, Pliny, Pliny, I said Pliny, but can't correct my um, pronunciation. I think it's Pliny the Younger. And he was, like, trying to figure out what was going on with this group of Christians. What are they doing? Why are they, like, doing what they're doing? And he, he wrote down a letter to one of his commanding officers. Essentially, he did what I said maybe some of you are in here doing, which is he went undercover to figure out what's up with these weird Christians. What are they doing? This is what he said. 
the sum and substance of their fault, this is what's wrong with them or their error, is that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn, sing responsibly a hymn to Christ as to a God. So they're singing a song to Jesus like he's God. This is weird for this guy. And to bind themselves by oath, not to commit fraud, theft, or adultery, not to falsify their trust, nor to refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so. When this was over, it was their custom to depart. So before work, they got together and and made an oath that they would be people of integrity and sacrificial love. This is incredible. And then afterwards, they would partake in food. They would take of the Lord's Supper, ordinary, innocent food. I therefore postpone the investigation and hasten to consult you, for the matter seemed to me to warrant consulting you, especially because of the number involved. It's a growing number of people that are doing this strange thing. For many persons of every age, rank, and both sexes will be endangered, for the contagion of this superstition has spread not only to the cities, but also the villages and the farms. This is the early church fulfilling God's vision for them living in such a way that this is what their neighbors said about them. They just, they get together and they sing hymns to Christ as if he's a God. And they take an oath to be above reproach, to have integrity and sacrificial love. Unfortunately, if you happen to be in here and you're an undercover journalist, I'm not sure that that's what you would describe us as. I hope so. That's our goal. But imagine if this was what the community said about the church in our city, that we are a group of people who regularly meet together to pursue obedience to the commands of Jesus, sharing meals together in counterculturally diverse communities. Membership is important because the gathered group of believers should hold one another accountable to the commands of Scripture. And you shouldn't have to be undercover to just come in and hang out with us. We should be able to know who's here because they're committing to this thing and who's here because they're spiritually curious. So, membership is kind of our way to distinguish those two things. There's another reason you might be here and not be a committed follower of Jesus committed to the local church. Maybe you're just a spiritual consumer. Uh Uh-oh. Pastor Jesus is like a curse word to, like, guilt trip people not how I'm using it today, just so we know. I'm using this in a positive sense. It's very possible that you're a non-Christian. I actually talked to some of you, non-Christians who are here because you like the casual environment, the spiritual services add value to your life. They make you feel good. Or you want your kids to grow up with a moral foundation. We're glad you're here. I will, we will regularly remind you that the claims of Jesus call you out of consumerism and into a committed personal relationship. Like, the value that you have, there's so much more value to be had if you would submit your life to the Lordship and leadership of Jesus. But, like, you've got to make that decision on your own. And so, I'm not going to, like, say, like, hey, you're a consumer, get out. No, keep coming. And we'll keep encouraging you with the messages of Jesus, and hopefully one day you'll submit to his leadership. But until that day comes, join us. Serve alongside of us. Help us bless our community. But membership's not for you. Maybe you're a Christian consumer. Again, I promise I'm not judging you. Shopping around to find the church that best fits your family. I love this church. Like, as much as I could love anything. The people in this building that have 
blessed my life. The stories that I could tell you of people showing up in my life when I was going through the worst difficult times of my life. I love this church, and I want this church to be your church. But there's plenty of good reasons why this church might not be your church. There's plenty of reasons why you might not align with some of our secondary theological positions, or you might not like our ministry philosophy strategy, and that's okay. There's plenty of other great churches in our community. And so I would say this, take your time, investigate, have important questions, ask the necessary questions of me and our leadership, and if we end up not being a great fit, that's okay. But I would encourage you to find a church that you can be committed to for the long haul. Because I believe if you're a committed follower of Jesus, you should be committed to a local church. It's God's ideal for you and for your family. So that's why we have membership, so that we can separate these categories of people. It's okay if you're in the first two categories and you're here. We're actually extremely glad you're here. But we need to have a a framework, a system that allows us to identify those of you who would say, I'm a committed follower of Jesus, committed to this local church. I can hear some of you now. But Ryan, can I be a committed follower of Jesus to a committed local church without going through some stale membership process? Again, I love when you guys ask questions that I'm about to answer in my outline. Thank you so much. Kind of. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you can be a committed follower of Jesus. You can be committed to our local church. But it, apart from, like, you declaring that intention to us and us, like, holding one another accountable to that decision, it's really easy for you to drift away, to bail, to leave for some lame reason or some good reason and not tell us about it. Things that we could learn from because you saw something in our church that you didn't like. And instead of committing to, like, making it better, you just said, I don't like that. I'm leaving. Man, we, like, we want you to, to be a part of this or another local church that you can. And, and here's, here's the thing. None of us are perfect. None of us. Like, I could point to six, seven, eight, nine churches of, that are, my friends are pastors of, and I would say that is an excellent church that you could go to, and I would love for you to go to it. But they're also going to do something that you don't like, or they're going to step into something, or they're going to do something, and you're going to look at the Scriptures and say, I thought the Scriptures said this, but they're doing it this way. This is a big book. You'll find something you don't like about one of these local churches. And so rather than just kind of being committed and then when somebody does something you don't like, you leave, what if you, like, dug your heels in and had difficult conversations with your church leadership? And you made us better. And we made you better. And that was better for our community and the kingdom of God all around There's another group of people in this room, and I want to acknowledge you because I think it's really important. And I know from personal experience because I've been there. And that is there are some of you in this room that are committed followers of Jesus who want to commit to a local church. But the local church has hurt you badly. Either really badly once or a lot of times over and over and over again. And I know that you're here because it's happened to me. 
church trauma and betrayal was the catalyst for me going to counseling. Like the people that I loved the most, that I looked up to the most, respected the most, that I thought I was going to do the rest of my life with are the people that hurt me the most. And so I get it. I don't want you to rush through that pain. I don't want to whitewash it and say, well, the Bible says you should be a committed follower of Jesus, committed to the local church, so get over it and join or go find another church to join. That's not what I want to say. I want to, I want to sit in your pain with you, empathize with you, and just ask you this question. What if, like, giving up on the organized church isn't the only option? What if it isn't even the best option? What if you let God use your past pain to benefit his bride moving forward? What if you are a piece of the puzzle that God is going to use to help us become a healthier version of ourselves? I get it. I do. Take your time. We're glad you're here. But membership is the way for us to, to signify that we're ready to commit to this local body, knowing it's not perfect and knowing that I'm probably going to fail you, that our leadership's probably going to fail you, that other members are probably going to fail you. But that's kind of how the system's set up. We're all broken people. God chooses to use us in one another's lives, even though that's true. So, in summary, membership is a practical way that allows people to identify as committed followers of Jesus committed to our local church. I personally hope for all of you that you would decide to be a committed follower of Jesus. I know some of you aren't there yet, and that's okay. But if you are there, I would encourage you to get to a place where you can commit to the local church, whether it's ours or somewhere else. Again, if you're spiritually curious, we're so glad that you're here. Keep asking questions. Keep pointing out things that are weird when we do them because we don't know that they're weird. And we don't want to be weird for you. Like, there's actually a passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul tells the Corinthian church, like, you guys are being really weird. And, like, sometimes people show up to your church and they're really confused because you guys are really weird. And here's the thing, like, we don't always know when we're being weird. So, like, tell us. We need your help. If you're a spiritual consumer... We hope our church is a blessing to your life, and we hope even more that you would come into a committed relationship with the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, and that you would find a community of local believers that you can do life with for the long haul. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Peter chapter 2. This is where we're going to kind of land the plane. I know some of you in here are like, the dude hasn't opened the Bible in 25 minutes. <laughs> Hopefully, you heard biblical truth throughout the last 25 minutes, but just in case you didn't, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we come to a conclusion. Again, membership is a practical way that we intentionally create a Christ-centered community committed to doing life together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. I chose the word community which is a suitable word, it's a good word, but the Bible uses a couple other words or images for what it should look like. The Bible uses the language as church as a family, that we are bound together by our relationship with Jesus, that we are brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, uncles, aunts, that we come together with unique strengths and unique abilities, and we form a really 
awkward, weird family because of our connection to Jesus. I Part of the reason I drank too much caffeine this morning is because I got home last night at midnight from a family wedding. And here's the deal. It wasn't even my family. It's my wife's family. Except, guess what? It was my family. Because my wife's family is my family. I am bound to my relationship with my wife. And when I got married to my wife, I inherited an entirely different group of people. And although they're not my family, mess with them and see. Because they are my family. And guess what? The, the wedding that I went to was Marissa's cousin. And so she got married to a guy that, apart from my relationship with Marissa, probably never would have even been in the same state as this guy. And now he's my family. Mess with him and see. Right? Why? Why is this guy that I never would have even found myself in the same state with my family? We're bound to relationship with Jesus. And so the scriptures use this language as church as family because each one of us that have a relationship with Jesus, we're bound to Jesus. And because I'm bound to Jesus and Kent's bound to Jesus, me and Kent are bound together. Mess with him and see. I'm a pacifist, so you won't, it won't be too bad. But, mess with them and see. So the scriptures use this language, church is family. It uses the language, church is the flock of God, that we are sheep, clueless sheep, foolish sheep, all following the same shepherd who's leading us through paths of righteousness for his namesake, for our good, for our neighbor's good, and for the glory of God. Uses this language as church as a body, that we're all unique members of a body fingers, hands, toes, feet, knees, ankles, hips, and that we're all joined together around Christ, who is our head. Again, we're bound together because we're bound to Christ. There's all of these beautiful imageries, but 1 Peter 2 has one that I particularly like. And that's church as the temple of God. Let's read it. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Peter says to the early Christians, you who are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you are offering spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him, but those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes people fall. So not only are we family, are we a flock, are we a body, but we are a temple. Unique stones, different colors and shapes and sizes all coming together to form a temple on what? Christ, who is our foundation, who is our cornerstone. We are coming together. I love this imagery, imagery so much. God is bringing each of us together as unique individuals to be built into the temple of God. This is why it's so important that we're not just committed to Jesus, but we're also committed to one another. Because what kind of a structure can be built with two or three stones? 
not much of one, right? It's like, me and I'm hooked up to cor- the cornerstone of this Jesus, but you other stones, get away from me. I don't like you. You guys are weird, and you're doing things I don't like. No, we all are joining together on the foundation that is Jesus, his sacrificial love. That's how this whole thing works. It works because our foundation is the one who literally laid down his life for our benefit. And if we all choose to follow his example and lay down our lives for the benefit of others, we form this temple, this living temple. And what's the purpose of a temple? To help people experience the God that the temple was built for. So as we join together on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial love, we form this temple that allows people in our community to experience the God who's joined us together in Christ. Picture it like Legos, right? How many Lego fans do we have? Some, how many, does anyone have that like $1,000 uh, Star Wars thing? That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to see it. Um, so Legos in a box, right? Incredible amount of potential. Because like they're meant to be joined together to create something epic. I asked Pastor Michelle if anybody in the kids' church did Legos and her son built this dragon. This is epic. Also, I realized after I asked her to bring this that the dragon is like the symbol for the Antichrist, so don't read into the don't read into the illustration too much. God is not forming us into the image of the Antichrist. It's just it's just something epic built out of Legos. Um so different shapes, colors, sizes, all coming together to build something epic, but What do Legos do on their own? Wow. You guys didn't even give time for suspense. The parents in the room are like, damage. Damage is caused by Legos on their own. Separate from one another. Not being built into an epic structure. And so what is inadvertently? Not on purpose. Because I know you guys. And girls, I don't think you're doing this on purpose, but what if because of because of I, individualism being idealized, because of a culture that says, I love Jesus, but I'm not sure about his church, what if we are these living stones with unique structure and skill and color and beauty that are all meant to be built together around the foundation of Jesus Christ? What if instead we are spreading ourselves out? too thin, too far. What if we're actually causing far more damage than good? And so when I ask the question to myself, why do we have membership at the church? It's just a practical framework where we can bring as living stones who are rooted and, and, and committed to Christ as our cornerstone. It's a way for us to put all of our pieces on the table and see what kind of a temple God might build in this community for His glory and for the good of our neighbors. It's important. It matters far more than we anticipate. And can I just be, I'm going to put the dragon down. It's awesome, but 
Um, can I be brutally honest with you this morning? Cool. I was going to anyway. Church membership makes my job harder. It just does. Try leading an organization of a couple hundred people, and the less people in the room making the decisions, the easier my job is. The more we include people in the room, the harder my job gets. But that's kind of the point. Because if it's just me and a couple of people that look like me, smell like me, talk like me, guess what? We're not living stones being built together on the foundation of Jesus. It's, it's a couple of yellow Legos being built into a little yellow square. That's not very beautiful. It's not very diverse. Like, that's not really what God intended. And so, I read church leadership books. I listen to church strategy podcasts, and all of them say, the more people that you give input in the room, the harder it is to make decisions. And yet I'm willing to walk through those muddy waters with you if, if you'll do so linked up to Jesus, sacrificial love, if we're going to die to ourselves for one another and for our neighbors, I'm willing to do that because I think it's God's ideal vision for his church. I thought this was going to be a short sermon. All right. So we started by asking, why do we have church membership at Jesus? My hope and my prayer is that I've at least given a compelling answer. You don't have to agree with it, but at least I hope it's been compelling. And I want to end by asking you to consider a second question. How might your life and your community be different 10 years from now if you decide to commit to a group of people who are committed to Jesus? How might our community be different 10 years from now if we link up as living stones being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is the hope of this world? If we allowed him to build us into a temple that can show the world around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, and your family, the hope that we have because of Jesus, how might our community be different? And I acknowledge that no matter how compelling the vision, you still might be like five-year-old me, saying, I don't know that I trust these people to make decisions for me. I'm going to pack my bags and go do it my own way. But I, I'd ask you this morning to consider the implications of that decision. Imagine going through the darkest seasons of your life knowing that you're not alone. Imagine your kids being raised not just by you and by your spouse, but by a network of committed followers of Jesus who are committed to your family. Imagine the darkness we might be able to overcome and the injustice we might be able to make right in our community when we come together as individual stones built on the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. This is God's design for his church. And I don't know about you, but as much as I love doing things my own way, this sounds like a more rewarding way to live. And I have personally experienced this. It won't be perfect, but I think it's going to be worth it. So, if you're spiritually curious, 
This is God's vision for his church. This is his design. This is how he made things to be. That we as individuals would come together so that you might see him through us. And I know that we haven't done that perfectly. This church, that church, that church, that church, we're doing our best, but we fail. And God chooses to use broken people to be his temple to the watching world. And so if you're here and you're spiritually curious, I hope that you see in this design of a church that God loves you and he wants a relationship. If you want to talk about that, come find me, come find one of our leaders, find the person that annoyed you so much that you said yes to come to church. They will love to talk to you. If you're a spiritual consumer, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, I hope that we encourage your life, but I hope even more that we challenge you to take your next step of obedience, submitting your life to the Lordship of Jesus and to other local Christians. And if you're in here and you're a committed follower of Jesus, I hope that you'll consider joining our church, not because we're perfect, but because there isn't a perfect church this side of the resurrection or the return of Jesus Christ. Dig your heels in with us. Hold us accountable to the truth of Scripture, to the example of Jesus. Let us hold you accountable to the truth of Scripture and the example of Jesus. And if our church isn't the right church, go in peace. We love you. Come find me. I will help you find the church that you can commit to. Because our church and that church will be better for it. Make sense? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for all of the beautiful imagery that you give us about your church in the scriptures. I thank you specifically this morning for this imagery of the temple of God being built together as we as living stones come together and are formed into this unique temple of God in our community for your glory and for our neighbor's good. God, may we seriously consider the implications of our decision to either be committed to a local church or not. And may we find healing from the pain of past church hurt and the strength to to keep going because as hard as it is, as painful as it is, the alternative isn't better. In Jesus' name I pray.